0: Am I only a God nearby, declares the Lord? Am I not a God far away? Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? There was a couple who had two little mischievous boys, ages 8 and 10. They were always getting into trouble, and their parents knew that if there was any uh, mischief about town, that uh, unfortunately, they most likely were the cause. And uh, she had heard, the mother had heard that there was a new pastor in town and that he had had some success in uh, working with boys and disciplining them, and so she asked him if he would get together with them and have a talk with them and sit them down. And so he did, and uh he got to thinking, you know, and he was reflecting on the conversations he had with the mother, and he began to wonder if these boys even knew or realized anything about God at all. And so he sat the boy down, and he asked him very pointedly. He said, where is God? And the boy just kind of looked blankly at the pastor as older brother was sitting out in the hallway, out of earshot range, and so he was nervously waiting for his turn, and the pastor looked at the boy again, and he said, do you know where God is? The boy just kind of nervously shrugged his shoulders, and third time, the, the pastor pointed at him, and he said, where is God? And with that, the boy leaped up and ran out of the room, slamming the door behind him, ran out in the hallway and grabbed his brother's arm. And he said, we're really in for it this time. And his brother said, what happened? What's going on? And he said, somebody stole God and they think it was us. (laughs) It matters, doesn't it, that we have a clear understanding of who God is where he is, and what his heart cares about, and what his character is like. In fact, it's probably the most important question that we'll ever think on is, what is or who is this God? We can find just about anything in our society uh, except for I can't find my keys or my wallet, especially when I'm running late to get to somewhere. <laughs> But they have all kinds of devices that you can put tracking devices on all kinds of things, you know, so that you don't lose them and that you would always know where they are. And And you can Google just about anything in the Google search engine and you can put a restaurant near me or you can put, you know, mechanic near me and and up on the list will come those things that are near to your location. We can find just about anything. That's near us. You can even, of course, on some apps, you can, as you know, like Facebook or or various apps of the like, you can even look and see not just what is around you, but who is around you. You can see what others' locations are. Do we know where God is, though? Do we know where he can be found? Who is in the room who is in the room with us often influences our behavior. I mean, I was reflecting earlier on how uh, as a kid, you know, in school if the teacher would step out of the classroom even for a, a few moments, it wasn't long before the behavior of the students began to change. Eyes would shift around, and if you were uh, skilled at this, you even would send a, a person out to keep watch to make sure you had plenty of caution or warning when the teacher was about to return, not to give anybody any ideas. But of course, you know, it's like when somebody's presence is in the room, it can really influence our behavior. And just as this is true with uh, some people of authority, like maybe uh, an official in government or an authority in a school or in a workplace, so too our behavior sometimes tends to change when we sense we're in God's presence. I think this is because that we have a pairing of authority and the presence of authority often provokes responsibility or one to take up responsibility or accountability i mean look at it this way if if there's nobody around if no one's watching if no one's listening we tend to think or we can tend to think that we can do whatever we want because there's no accountability there's no there's no responsible i'm not responsible for my actions in that way and i think in part Maybe this is why uh, our privacy can be very uh, important to us. We like our privacy. We like our privacy. But sometimes it can become such a value, right, that it can turn into secrecy. And that's where, at times, it can become uh, a detriment, a detriment to our walk even with God. Because I don't think God wants us necessarily to live in secret or into hiding. I don't think we were created to hide from God. I think we are created to want to be in community with him and in relationship with him. I mean, have you ever had this, this uh, part of a conversation or heard this part of a conversation where somebody says, hey, did anyone see you do it? And the other person says, no, nobody saw me. And then the other person says, wow, that's great. So we're safe then. Because it's kind of like if the person isn't there, then we think we can do what we want. But what we see here in this text, and this is part of the book of Jeremiah in chapter 23, and he's saying prophet Jeremiah is giving a message to a people that are not following God. Their their kings are not honoring the ways of the Lord, as they've been instructed to, and it's almost as if you're in another room, and you hear some whispering, and as you lean in, you notice that the people in the other room are talking about you, and they're saying things that aren't even true. And this is what's happening in this chapter is there's prophets that are going out in the country and they're spreading a message about things that are not true. And so God says, hey, it's almost like you would walk in the room to that situation. You would say, I'm right here on the other side of the wall. I hear everything you're saying. I'm right here. And that is essentially what happens in verse 23. God says, Am I a God nearby? says the Lord, and not a God far off. In other words, am I, am I just here and not over there? The conclusion is he's everywhere. Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them? says the Lord. Do I not fill heaven and fill the earth? says the Lord. And then he talks and addresses, I have heard what the prophets have said, who prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed, how long will the hearts of the prophets ever turn back? Those who prophesy lies and who prophesy the deceit of their own heart. And sometimes, you know, uh, myself included, we can trick ourselves into thinking, that God doesn't see everything and that he's not in the room. We can live in such a way at times like God's not even there. And we can practice a sort of planned ignoring, you know. But the reality and truth is is that God is everywhere, and that's part of his character. And the interesting thing is, is that this will tend for us to, respond in, in, in one of two ways. Either it will bring us a sense of fear and conviction, like, oh, wow, I didn't, I didn't know you were on the other side of the wall. I didn't know you could hear. Um, now that I know that, I feel like I should change a few things about how I talk or what I say or what I do. Or, and possibly and, it could also bring you comfort. It can bring you comfort in a situation where perhaps you know that there are things being said about you that aren't true. You know things are being rumors and things are being said about you that aren't true, and you can know that God knows what that feels like. And he sees it, and we can put it in his hands to deal with But I don't think we were created to live a, a life that's at least in complete privacy. I mean, in the beginning, God creates the heavens and the earth, as you know, and God creates man, Adam. And he looked at the man in Genesis 2.8, and he says, it is not good for the man to be alone. It wasn't good. And so of course he creates a woman Eve and the intent is that they would experience companionship that they would conspire- experience a relationship together that they would experience togetherness not isolation And I'm I'm sure if you're familiar with the story you know you know what what happens next? They disobey, they turn from God, and they sin. And, and when they disobey God, they feel shame as a result. And then you know what they did next? It says that they heard God walking through the garden in the cool of the day. And when they heard the sound of him coming, just like the steps of that teacher down the hall, I added that part right there, um, They run and hide. They run and hide. And God calls out to them, and it's it's somewhat ironic because, you know, God knows all things. So he knew where they were, but he calls out and he says, Where are you? There's been times, I won't go into detail, but there's been times when I, you know, you know, if, especially if you have little ones and all of a sudden the, they're in the other room and you hear them playing in the background and all of a sudden it's quiet. <laughs> and you're wondering what's going on in that other room. And you, you, you know pretty much where they are, but at the same time you're like, hey, what's going on in there? Are you, wh- where are you? And sometimes, unfortunately... And I want to be very clear about I'm not addressing or or, or talking about chestnut level here. I'm talking about the church in general. Unfortunately, we have to consider part of the conversation that looks at the fact that God has not always been found where people expected to find him. And I'm not sure that it was God that wasn't there but that somehow there was a missing piece. I mean, let me give you an example. Uh, there was, so I was working in construction many years ago and I was working for a, a subcontractor that uh, basically I just, I would dig a, dig ditches every day. The, you know, the machine would go so far that it could go to the place where the utility line had to be run and then I dug the ditch or the trench the rest of the way. And, um, I ran into some you know interesting people throughout that work and that, and that I wasn't accustomed to because up until that time, my entire employee experience had been within the church or a faith-based organization. Well, one day I started talking with one of uh, the guys there working on the site, and uh, for some reason, I don't know why, but I felt like asking him if he would ever consider going to church. And so I said, uh, let me ask you a question. Uh, w- you know, w- would you ever go to church? I mean, what do you think of the church? And I'll never forget his response to me, uh, very similar to some other responses that I've heard at times when I ask about the church, to an unbeliever. And he said, um, I don't think much of the church, and the church doesn't think much of me. And my heart just sank because I felt like the church, we, myself included, we miss it there in those times when somehow the message of Christ, it gets, um, miscommunicated a bit. And then people walk away with the wrong message. And instead of finding a place of acceptance and forgiveness, they find at times in, in some places, a place of bitterness and resentment. Um, in some places, at times, they'll find uh, not a place where they could go and and feel at home, but they feel like uh, they're under a microscope, and somebody's just waiting to point out what they're doing is wrong. Now, look, I know that we're working and we are serving in a in a way that opposes and is all about the opposite of that. I'm just saying we have to consider the fact that here in the Old Testament, or in the New Testament, right, and in the Old Testament, they're looking at times where prophets are casting out this vision to the people, and it's not a true message of what God is about. So we should ask ourselves things like, are we caring about what God cares about? Are we portraying the characters that God is portraying? Do our meetings, do our gatherings look different? Because I believe, and I know you do too, that they should look different than what somebody would find in a secular place. It should be different. Well, another time these guys were talking about remodeling their kitchen, and the guy said, yeah, you know, I'll I'll, uh, get some bids from different countries companies and, you know, decide which one is the best one to go with. And, and, uh, another kind of miss for me was when, um, the one guy gave the other advice and he said, well, I'll just tell you one thing he said about remodeling your kitchen. And, uh, they weren't aware that I I was part of the conversation, but they weren't aware of like my background, my involvement in the church and this. And he said, uh, if they have a fish logo on their car, when they pull in your driveway to bid the job, He said, beware. And I just felt sad. I felt like we're missing it there when we do that. And there's lots of times when when the church, one pastor said one time, and I I believe this wholeheartedly, there is nothing on the face of the earth like the church when the church is is doing its mission and, and, and is working right. There's nothing on the face like it. And I also believe that there's at times when, like the nation of Judah here, they had turned to other false gods or they had turned to other methods or even other man made structures to solve their problems. When God said, Hey, I'm in the room here. How about we do things my way? And the people said, Give us Caesar. Give us Caesar. And so God says, okay, you can have Caesar. You can do it that way. And if you know anything about the ancient Israel and the northern and the southern kingdom, they both fall rather tragically, and uh, it's, it's a mess. King after king doing things that were not the way God had wanted them to do and certainly not conveying the heart and what God is about. So, we have a big job here that God entrusts us with. you know He, he gives us this awesome opportunity and responsibility to, to to be in his presence and and then when we 're in His presence to realize his authority and 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 to in response to that, take on the responsibility that this is the real deal. This is serious business this is people 's only hope like this is their chance to not. Spend a Christless eternity. I, th- I I think that God sees it when we take care of people unfairly at times or when we treat them unfairly. This is why the scriptures, you know, one of the things that Judah was going through at the time was that it was part of the law that you could not build your uh, mansion on a hill, uh, so to speak, as a as a ruler and use forced labor to do it. It was against the law. And there's other scripture verses, you know, that talk about uh, a worker being worth their wages. It was important to God. And so the hope is, is that we would consider what's going on in, in that nation at the time and would consider the words of Jeremiah where God says, look, I'm right here. Please bring fame to my name, not shame to my name. Like any father, you know, Jamie and I were talking just the other night. And we're talking about how you know we're at that seasonal life where we're thinking through what things do we really matter for us to pass on to our kids to give it our best shot at passing on these things and at the end of the day you know we both kind of concluded that you know it wasn't to be able to hand them unfortunately not to like you know, burst your bubble or anything, but or spoiler alert hand you a big pile of uh of security of financial money and just be like here, this is what we 're giving you, but to give them these invaluable truths about god that 's what we can pass on to them that 's what will be the life-changer. If we can get it right, we can pass that on and depend on God's grace when we take the wrong turns, because I know we will make them, but hopefully at the end of the day they can say, you know what, Um, they always taught us how to get home. You know, uh, if I'm honest about it and, uh, and a bit vulnerable here The you know my greatest pain in life although my greatest some of my greatest blessings and greatest joy in life has come from relationships in the church unfortunately some of the greatest pain in my life has come from and disappointment in my life has come from in the church not relationships with people outside the church so much and it's been a major major blessing to be here among you as a church body, to be a part of this community of faith, especially during a time that is so trying like this with COVID things happening that none of us have ever anticipated. That started up, I think, a month after I started here. And so um, I very much not only appreciate, but am in need of grace along those lines. But I will do my absolute best until I am worn out, and I think I've got a lot in me left, to serve God faithfully. Not perfectly, but never to give up in serving him and striving to be a faithful servant. You know, I think sometimes we might find ourselves asking that question like, where is God, especially during times of difficulty or pain? I know I've asked those questions at times. Or when we look around in our world and the state of it, and we wonder, where is God? But I think that maybe uh, God's asking that question to maybe some of us. Where are you? Like, um, because I, I, God doesn't move, right? He stays the same. He's filling the earth. That's not changing. He said he would never leave us. He would never forsake us. Sometimes I think that it can be a challenge to understand who God is, but it can start by meeting Him where He is. You know, um, the story of the prodigal son where the son goes away and he leaves home and, and he, he, he wastes away, uh, the things that Uh, his father gives him, and then he all of a sudden comes to his senses, there's a phrasing there like that, and he decides to go back home. And I think a lot of us can have a tendency to imagine a father that's standing at the end of the driveway, waiting to really let his son have it, really teach his son a lesson, really point out, I told you so, sort of moment. And that's not at all the God that we know and serve. That's not the God that I read about. The the journey of Christ that he took to the cross was not driven by anger or hatred or rage. It was driven by love. The, The father that stands at the end of the driveway sees just a flicker, of his son in the distance and he says, that's my boy, that's my daughter, that's my child. And he's there with open arms. That's the God that we read about, that we serve, that we can come to and say, God, look, I I, I maybe haven't gotten it right all the time. And I need your grace and forgiveness, but I want to do things differently so that it's just like you're in the room because I know you are. He's always been here, and he'll not leave you. He will not forsake us. You know, I can say that some of the most stickiest moments on the wall of my mind or heart of times that have happened in life have been times when I was going through a really difficult time and my mom or my dad or my wife or somebody reached across the table, grabbed my hand and said, I have no idea what to do here, but we will go through this together. And that's what God does. He said, I will go through this together with you because I want to be with you. And the hope is is that we want and will desire to be with him as well. We are going to uh, sing uh, Holy, Holy, Holy verses 1 and 4. And as uh, Luke comes to prepare to play that, I just want to uh, continue an attitude of prayer, and then we'll go right into Holy, Holy, Holy God. We come before you this morning and... If we're honest, I think we can all think of areas or ways in which we've lived like you're not in the room. And whatever it is that we need to adjust or tweak or change or do more of in our life, we're dependent on your help and your grace, your guidance and your strength. We thank you, Lord for who we are today, because we're not who we used to be. But we look forward with anticipation, being a work in progress to that which you will fulfill. And we recognize that you're a holy God and we're not. And we need your help. It's your name we pray, amen.